0: Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. The Holy Spirit, of course, is the great gift uh, that we receive, but there are many gifts, say small g, uh, that we receive too. Uh, we, Of course, we in the uh, Sacrament of Confirmation, we talk about the seven gifts, the Holy Spirit, the fear of the Lord, piety, knowledge, fortitude, counsel, understanding, and wisdom. And, uh, I have to say that in many cases uh, these are forgotten oh, after, after confirmation. and uh, in some ways they even take a back seat if you're in Catholic charismatic circles. Uh, they unfortunately take a back seat to the gifts mentioned in First Corinthians uh, chapter twelve through fourteen in Romans chapter ten. Well, we have a, a wonderful new study of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit and uh, that we associate with confirmation. Dr. Kevin Vost uh, has written it. It's called The Seven Gifts of the Holy Spirit, Every Spiritual Warrior's Guide to God's Invincible Gifts. Kevin is the author of more than a dozen Catholic books, and uh, he's um, uh, he's, written—excuse me, he's appeared on hundreds of Catholic radio and television broadcasts, travels regularly across the United States and Ireland, and it's good to have you back, Kevin. Thanks.
1: It's my pleasure, Al. You, you mentioned the hundreds of broadcasts, and I will point out the first one I ever did was with you. So it's also a great pleasure. Always a well, pleasure to be speaking I'm, with I'm you. I'm
0: very proud that that's the case. Thank you. Mm. Uh, this I, I don't know if this is your experience in, in talking with people, but uh, these uh, seven gifts are often forgotten. Uh, they're talked about during confirmation, uh, but then they're often neglected. And in practical, in practical, practically speaking, do you find that?
1: Uh, yeah, I certainly do. You know, and even in my own case, kind of in a dramatic way, because you know, I was confirmed in my early teens, left the church in my late teens, considered an a- myself an atheist for over twenty five mm-hmm. years.
0: Yeah. yeah, I remember.
1: Until it, it was the writings of Saint Thomas Aquinas that brought me back uh, to my belief in believe in Christ. You know, I was able to rejoin the church, and I just became absorbed in his writings and found that one of the just many things he talked about were these great gifts yes. of the Holy Spirit, and just laid them out in such a wonderful way. I had no idea that I had these gifts uh, at the time that I was confirmed. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and uh, he, these, his writings on this, as you say, are very deep, and you, you draw from his writings as well as uh, St. Bonaventure as well. Uh, where, do you like, where do you suggest that people begin uh, with this topic?
1: Yeah, with the topic it, it itself, you know, uh, I lay out there. If you go to Thomas himself, his Summa Theologica, he has articles in there where he talks about the the seven gifts, just in general. W- you know, what are they? How are they different from things like virtues? Mm-hmm. And then later in there, in special sections, he goes through one by one in great depth each one of the gifts. So, so in my book, in the first chapter there, mm. I give kind of a master table yep. so people know exactly where to go in the Summa. And I'll mention,
0: so, yeah. In the yeah. Summa
1: Theologica, yes. Mm-hmm. And then St. Bonaventure you mentioned, the great Franciscan, who was Thomas' uh, contemporary, he also gave a series of Lenten sermons on each one of the gifts, and it's in book form and what are called his collations on the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those are also a very wonderful resource to, to dig in to these gifts, and really to see the way both he and Thomas mind the Scriptures to really bring these gifts to life.
0: Why are these gifts important?
1: Well, one one the reason they're important that they're aids that God has given us to to attain heaven with Him. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're actually given to us. You know, at the time of baptism, when God grace God's graces flow into our soul, the, these gifts are there. We mentioned confirmation; that's when they are all strengthened. Right. So they're there for us, flowing through those theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity. So again, you know, they're are special gifts that God gives us to help attain our goal and become become saints and become spend eternity with Him.
0: Um, what does it mean to surrender uh, so that these gifts can be received?
1: Yes, there are too, and again, like a difference between the, the virtues and the gifts. Uh, natural virtues build upon our god given natural powers, so yes. we need to like you know to learn how to be temperate to control our our desires for things or to be brave and have fortitude. but these gifts they are specially given to us from the Holy Spirit. And they make us amenable not only to our, the best of our human reason but to the stirrings of the holy Spirit himself so So we need to submit in that these are not something that, that we earn that we, we can 't pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and, and grab these gifts. They are freely given from the Holy Spirit, but it 's up to us to to surrender to him, to submit to it, to be docile to be open to his teachings, and the first step is just you know, simply maybe learning about yeah. these gifts, how to right. and appreciate them.
0: Sure. Well, let's do that. Let's begin with the fear of the Lord. Uh, let's. Uh, this is often, uh, this concept of the fear of the Lord is mocked by people who don't understand the Christian tradition. Uh, what do we mean when we say fear of the Lord?
1: And that's right. I've heard that mocking, you know, from secularists, well, what kind of God would want us to fear him? Right. Uh, but we need to see exactly what we're talking about with the different kinds of fear. Uh, and St. Thomas and St. Bonaventure, and, and they're pulling from the Scriptures, they talk about a fear of the Lord that's called a servant or servile fear. And this is kind of like the, the lowest form of the fear of the Lord, where we're fearing uh, punishment. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we realize, you know, the, the, the reality of sin, that we're in sin. We don't want to be punished. We don't want to, you know, suffer in hell. We don't want to maybe have even the worldly problems that come to us and our loved ones when we sin. So this is kind of a fear of the Lord, this servile fear, is when we, we don't want to have that punishment, so we're going to try to reject mm-hmm. sin. But we know from Scripture that you know, perfect love casts out fear. Right. And the true fear of the Lord that's this gift of the Holy Spirit is what's called a filial fear. And this is a loving fear, not where we're fearing, uh, dreading sin so much because of our punishment, as much as we love God so much we don't want to let Him down. Mm. So it's the kind of fear you know, that we might have for, uh, for our parents or for our loved spouse. You know, we don't want to sin because we don't want to offend them. We don't want to let them down. So this is the, the true, you know, fear of the Lord that we're going to try to open ourselves up to, to love so God so much, we don't want to even think about sin because we know it would offend uh, God.
0: So this, this has, I guess this is dependent upon a, a sense of his holiness.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. That's where we have the sense that, that God is, you know, awesome, uh, and holy, mm-hmm. he's not just a, you know the judge who's going to mete out punishment, but he's also the source of all love. You know, he wants us to to ask for his forgiveness when we do sin. He's always ever merciful. So it really is. We can look at all these gifts as kind of like rungs up a ladder towards God. And even this very first one, the fear of the Lord is in itself you know, very majestic and, and opens our hearts to realizing just how awesome and loving God is. Yeah. And
0: again, fear of the Lord is not incompatible with the concept of God's mercy. And uh, I, I think we, we have to trust the, the tradition here uh, and just spend some time thinking through these things and, and studying. And of course, that's one of the good reasons to pick up this book, uh, The Seven Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, what is the relationship between fear of the Lord and mercy?
1: Yeah, the fear of the Lord and mercy there, too. Um, you know, we can have like an inappropriate type of fear of the Lord if we become, for example, uh, scrupulous. Mm-hmm. You know, we think we have to do everything you know, just right and we're not going to give that forgiveness. It's almost like we're we're ignoring God's mercy. We're focusing too much on this concept of justice. One of my favorite examples of God's mercy comes from St. Catherine of uh, Siena. And when God had spoken to her in, in what uh, are written down as her dialogues, at one point, he tells her about Judas, and he said, you know what, the saddest thing about Judas was not that he betrayed, betrayed Christ, but he did not think that God would forgive him after he had done that. You know, so so yeah. that despair, yeah. that God's mercy would be there even for Christ's betrayer. So it's, it's certainly there for us. Yes, yes.
0: Yes, that, that is uh, a big difference. Uh, it's often pointed out between uh, Judas's destiny and, and uh, St. Peter's, um, yeah. the capacity... Uh, the difference between remorse and repentance, the capacity to receive forgiveness and mercy. Uh, let's move to the second one here, because piety is a word that we don't really use much anymore. And it has this you know, kind of a saccharine quality, a little even a little bit phony sound to it. What, what do we mean when we say piety?
1: Yeah, and that is true. You know, we have this kind of this slurred idea that the pious person maybe is just... Focused on these you know, particular devotions, maybe missing the big picture. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know, it really comes from words that, that relate to uh, a sense of a special respect for one's uh, father or fatherland. And uh, the Latin word, you know, "patria" for father has yes. relations to to the term uh, piety. So, particularly as a as a gift of the Holy Spirit, piety is a special recognition of God. You know, not only as our Creator, as our Judge, but as our loving Father, so it is a special love for God as our Father, which then flows out to our to our neighbors as our brothers and sisters in Christ. Hmm. So it's a really kind of like a second step up that ladder, where now we're not really not only awed by God, we're awed by His His love and the fact that He has taught us to think of Him as our Father, which He is.
0: Hmm. Now, um, some would argue that piety is not a gift of the Holy Spirit, but merely a virtue. Why do they do that?
1: Okay. Yes, and there, you know, and throughout the history of the, the church, you know, as we've been understanding all these wonderful kinds of gifts that God gives us, whether it's the virtues or, or these gifts of the Holy Spirit or the, the special charisms you talked about in First uh, uh, Corinthians twelve, uh, but just uh, the particular difference here, though, there is a virtue of piety whereby our, our using our human reason, you know, we we honor. Uh, our parents, we honor our yeah. country. We try to honor God. And this is even but known. This
0: is even known in the the, the moralistic philosophers uh, of Rome and Greece.
1: That's right. So it, it's building upon that. There's that good natural basis there. But what's unique about the gift of piety and all of these gifts is that they are guided not only by our human reason, as the Greeks and Romans were, but again by the stirrings of the Holy Spirit Himself. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite analogies is that. The virtues are like oars that we use on our boat. You know, we're going to try to row in the right direction mm-hmm. towards God. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit are like the winds beneath our sails. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so we kind of open up those I sails like and let the Holy Spirit move us.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's a very nice illustration. Um, you mentioned uh, St. Bonaventure has, uh, gives us three ways that uh, piety can be exercised. Uh, reverence of divine worship, uh, guarding of interior holiness... An abundance of internal compassion. Could you just unfold that a bit?
1: Sure, sure. And this is a, a wonderful thing there for that Saint Bonaventure uh, has written again on, on each one of these uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit, and kind of just really opens them up. So the first there that uh, the way piety is exercised, he says, you know, there's reverence of uh, divine worship, and he gives biblical examples from Sirach and others that where. So one of the first effects of piety is that it's going to affect the way we worship God. We're going to remember him as a father. We're going to try to honor him by, by, you know, worshiping in the right way. A Second, the guarding of interior holiness. Uh, And this says, you know, piety will, uh, you know, further lead us away from sin, lead us towards uh, true Christian living. It will also, you know, affect uh, cleansing of our conscience. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm and okay. also the inter- uh, yes go ahead Alan. yeah
0: and the abundance of internal compassion
1: yeah for the abundance of internal compassion our piety our love for God is going to reach out to our neighbors and flow out uh, to others around us mm-hmm.
0: hold it there Kevin will come back and continue the conversation on the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit every spiritual warrior's guide to God's invincible gifts Dr. Kevin Vost my guest Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me, Dr. Kevin Vost. He's uh, given us a wonderful offering called The Seven Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Every spiritual warrior's guide to God's invincible gifts. And again, uh, these are given to us uh, in baptism, uh, but we tend to talk about them in relationship to the, in our catechetical, uh, I've noticed in in our catechesis, we tend to talk about them, especially in relationship to the gifts of, uh, to the uh, Sacrament of Confirmation. And these gifts are the fear of the Lord, piety, knowledge, fortitude, counsel, understanding, and wisdom. And we're taking a look at them uh, one at a time. We Last uh, segment, we talked about fear of the Lord. We talked about piety. Now, what is meant by knowledge? That's one of those words that seems to cover so much ground. Uh, I wonder... How do, how do we uh, define knowledge in terms of the gifts of the Holy Spirit?
1: Yes, and, and we also have uh, related gifts we could possibly talk about later, understanding and wisdom. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they're all, in a sense, they all bear some kind of a relationship to knowledge. Uh, but this gift of knowledge uh, in particular kind of has two aspects. Well, uh, the word for knowledge in Latin, "scire" comes, uh, we derive a word science from it. Mm-hmm. So the word or the virtue of knowledge is also called the virtue of science at times. So we know that science, through science we understand, we learn about the world. And through this gift of knowledge, it also gives us a greater understanding of the things in the world. But but we see the things of the world not as beings in their own, just by themselves, but but as creatures. Mm -hmm. So it helps us see how created things reflect the glory of God. So there's that one aspect of this knowledge when we look out into the world and see how it reflects God, and the second aspect is the knowledge that comes from from the articles of our faith. So as Christians, you know, we're called to to learn the articles of our faith, to try to have a, a deeper relationship with them, and this gift of knowledge also helps us get a firmer, a deeper understanding.
0: So we can we can say that uh, the articles of faith are a matter of knowledge.
1: That's right. As we as well, yeah they you know they 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 go beyond reason because they're revealed right. to us but as we as we ourselves understand them and conceptualize them they are you know held in the form of mm-hmm. our human knowledge
0: yep yep and i think i sometimes people try to drive a wedge uh, between knowledge and reason at this point and uh, i think that's a, again it's it's a it's a false trail um and you write here that Pope St. John Paul II explained in his encyclical on faith and reason that some Christians adhere to a kind of fideism, a belief that faith alone is all we need to guide us to truth without due regard for reason and knowledge. So it, it, those who maintain that, do they see no role for right reason in uh, our salvation?
1: Uh, there are some. You know, if we would take the extreme extreme folks that might be, you know, like like the Bible alone and and the extreme
0: mm-hmm. that we're
1: just just going to go based on what's revealed to us, but not realizing the the importance of also using our God given reason to reach a deeper level of understanding. And also, I see you know, one problem with this approach is if we're going to, especially in our day, if we're going to reach out to people who have, who have lost the faith yeah. and and won't start there. Well, as Catholic Christians, we know you know we recognize truth wherever it comes from. Yes. And even that natural truth can be the starting ground to draw people in to the, to the higher truth. So, so it's often portrayed today as, as, as if faith and reason are utterly opposed. But in our Catholic view, we know that faith just takes us not contrary to reason, but beyond it. Mm-hmm. And, and interestingly, as St. Thomas tells us, this particular gift of knowledge flows from the theological virtue of faith. So we're given this faith, and it, and it can lead us through the Holy Spirit to even ever deeper levels of knowledge.
0: Yes, yes. Well, while we're at it, uh, let's, let's talk about understanding and wisdom here, uh, since they are related to knowledge, and uh, how are they distinguished?
1: Sure. One thing you know, St. Thomas calls uh, understanding a special kind of knowledge that penetrates to the heart of things.
0: Hmm.
1: Now, hmm. knowledge can be like based on our senses, you know, things we learn, we look out, and we. We see things. We, we observe cause and effect relationships, uh, but you know, but it can be more of a sensual, sensual level based on the information from our senses. Mm-hmm. Where understanding really gets to the core of what it is to be a human being. When we understand, we do something that no other species on Earth can do, regardless of the fact that they have eyes and ears and, and senses like we do. Uh, it's related to the word intelligence, and Thomas tells us that comes from two Italian words, intus for inside. And legere to to read. Mm. So through this gift of understanding we're able to, to read things, to see things deep down, like to think at the level of concepts, to understand what things are, that then opens us up to the ability to to talk to each other, to build things, to create things. So understanding is one of the fundamental defining characteristics of what it is to be a human being. And the gift of understanding, you know, makes our human capacity more open to the the unfailing understanding of the Holy Spirit.
0: Did the Blessed Mother exhibit this virtue uh, in the Gospel of Luke when we're told that she kept all these things, uh, again, from the Annunciation and then after the uh, birth of Jesus, she kept all these things, pondering them in her heart?
1: Yes, yes. I came across a wonderful book from the 1800s by a priest who talked about how Mary embodies all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And yes, he he pulls out these nuggets here that uh, at the birth of Christ, uh, while the inhabitants wondered at what the shepherds told them, it said, yes, Mary kept all these things, pondering them in her heart. When they found uh, Christ at the temple, he said, too, his mother kept all these things in her heart. so She would not be understanding until she could ponder more deeply and understand more fully. She wouldn't be satisfied.
0: Yes. So again, the understanding would you say it it drives down deeper than
1: knowledge? Yes, that's why it's like like a deeper form of knowledge, and at times it can even help us understand the limits of our knowledge, when we sometimes might get a sense of that awesomeness of God, that, wow, you know, he is there, he's always with us, but we will never fully grasp his essence while we're here on on Earth.
0: Okay. Uh, Now, wisdom... Uh, how is this distinguished from knowledge and understanding in this uh, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit?
1: Sure, and wisdom is considered you know the highest of the gifts. It's the first one mentioned in Isaiah eleven uh, uh, two to three, coming down from God, and, and wisdom uh, is kind of like the overarching gift that, that ties them all together. And one way to distinguish it for, from knowledge, knowledge starts like uh, from the earth and works the way up to God. Whereas wisdom starts with the divine things of God. And a beautiful example I've heard is from, if you look at the Gospel of St. Matthew, he starts with Christ's human genealogy, starting with, you know, the things of the earth, and then brings us up to Christ's divinity. Mm-hmm. Whereas, so there's the gift of knowledge, you know. Whereas the Gospel of St. John, you know, we start at the beginning, and in the beginning, in the beginning was the Word. Yes. So here we're starting with divinity and then showing how... Uh, The the divine became incarnate in Christ and walked upon the earth. So it's kind of like the two approaches. The Matthew approach is of the gift of knowledge, starting from the earth and working towards heaven. And the gift of wisdom is like that highest divine wisdom. And once we embrace it, it will also change the way we look at everything on the earth.
0: So this does take us as well beyond reason.
1: Yes, exactly. As a gift, Again, as a gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's coming from the Holy Spirit. And also, St. Thomas's, the, the word itself, that sapientia in Latin, comes from words meaning, well, science again, like knowledge. But that first word, sapida, means something like we would savor or taste. So this wisdom from the Holy Spirit is not just something dry and intellectual. I mean, it's something we actually savor and enjoy it. There's a special kind of joy that comes with this wisdom that is a gift.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. Um You mentioned too. uh, Bonaventure has seven pillars of wisdom, which I was unaware of here: Uh, chastity, innocence of mind, uh, moderation in speech, docility and affect, uh, generosity in action, maturity of judgment, uh, sincerity of of intention. Uh, I mean, this. How are these? Why are these related to wisdom? I guess is what I'm asking.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting. It's a very interesting uh, little uh, explanation here by St. Bonaventure, because one, he just starts using some biblical analogies where wisdom's compared to a house. Yeah. For example, Proverbs 24, 3 to 5 says, "...By wisdom a house is right. built, by understanding it's established, mm-hmm. and by knowledge its rooms are filled with pleasant, uh, precious and pleasant riches." And also Proverbs 9, 1, "...Wisdom has built her house, she has set up her seven pillars." So then Bonaventure asks, well, what are these seven pillars? And he even asks, I think it's kind of humorous, he says, should I just make these up out of my own head? <laughs> <laughs> but he says, no, they're there in Scripture. So what he's doing with those seven pillars, he's pulling from uh, James 3.17, where it says, but the wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, without uncertainty or insincerity. So there is one example of how Bonaventure pulls a scriptural verse And then he goes on to elaborate on each one of those characteristics as a pillar of wisdom.
0: (laughs) That's fascinating. That is Mm -hmm. fascinating. Um, I want to come back to this question of sincerity then, since that's the seventh of these uh, pillars of of wisdom. And uh, sincerity of intention. Uh, There's a lot today in our society, there's the notion that uh, every, as long as a person is sincere, uh, that he's all right. Um, as long as he means well and he's earnest and sincere, then regardless, his truth claims about God, uh, well, that's fine. Uh, that's certainly not the biblical position. It's not the position of the church. Uh, so what I'd like you to do is just talk about when we discuss sincerity of intention, what do we mean?
1: Yes, and here, you know, thankfully, you know, St. Bonaventure really uh, fleshes this out. When he's talking about the in- sincerity of in- intention, it's not, you know, being sincere in whatever intention we happen to have. Uh, he cites, he says, as pillars revealed in Colossians 3, 2-3, to Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So to be sincere then with our intention, we are going to be focusing on those things of God, we're not going to pronounce our judgment on what we think is moral or immoral unless we've been docile and to to, to learn those things from the church. Mm-hmm. So, so by seeking this, uh, accepting the gift of wisdom, and the sincerity that goes with it, it implies all the gifts that come before it. We're going to fear God. We're going to reject sin, you know, as defined by God, as clarified through our church. So, yes, it's not just a matter of you know, being true to your conscience. It's being true to your conscience when you have faithfully tried to form that form conscience. Form that
0: conscience, yeah. Very good. Uh, let's talk about fortitude, one of the seven uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, how is this related to our common understanding of courage?
1: Sure, it's very related. It builds on that natural virtue of of courage or fortitude. The word fortitude comes from a word meaning strengthen. Hmm. So this has also been called the defender of the virtues. It defends other gifts. It's what we use to bear up to persecution, so, um, and that the gift of the Holy Spirit, then, uh, natural fortitude might fail. You know, we might yes. try to spread the faith and be persecuted and even killed. Sure. But the gift of fortitude, in the sense, that it never fails, because the highest of all uh, aims is attainment um, of joy with God in heaven. And through the Holy Spirit's gift of fortitude, even if we're martyred, we are going to achieve that goal. So in this sense, it's like an an invincible gift, that special strength that God gives the martyrs through fortitude. But he also gives it to to each one of us, you know, to use in the daily situations in our life that that hopefully will fall far short of martyrdom.
0: Kevin, thank you once again. We didn't get to counsel, uh, but that's uh, okay. We'll do that on another occasion. Thanks for your work. And uh, where can people get the book?
1: Okay, it's from Sophia Institute Press. You could go to your local Catholic bookstores or online sources.
0: All right. Thanks, Kevin.
1: Oh, you're most welcome.